It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. It is just after 5 o'clock, and on this show, that means it's time for Not My Beat. Today's top story, from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Today, it is our pleasure to welcome back to the show our good friend David Aldridge, of course, senior writer at The Athletic. Uh, had the pleasure of sitting next to DA at the press conference on Sunday. And uh, DA, the pleasure was was getting to sit next to you and, and chat for a little bit, not not what we witnessed, just to be very, very clear. Because yeah. uh, that yes, was very much so. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was ugly. They gave up four. It, it's 90 to 25 over the last two games, DA. It's uh, it's not. It's not great, um, and I, I think a lot of us have started kind of looking towards the offseason and um, you know how much hope do you have for that. We're doing the Sam Howell bit. What's the most interesting thing to you for the next five weeks, by and then the four games? Oh, man. I mean, I, Craig, it's a good question. I, I You know, I, try, I, I kind of – I'm not really sure that there's a whole lot that is left for me to – see about this team like you know you can kind of know what this team is and where they are it's not like they have seven guys that have been in the practice squad earlier and i can't wait to see them play like you know what i mean like yeah I mean, they could they could incorporate Colter in a little bit more i'd like to maybe see what he could do um there's a few guys but you know their receivers are their receivers their backs are their backs their line is their line um both lines there's no hidden gems anywhere. Um, so it's it's really more just a matter, I think, of do we have enough information on Sam Hill? I mean, I think we have a lot now. Is it enough? I mean, if he was great the last four games, would that change materially what most people think of him and, and his potential? Uh, and conversely, if he was awful the last four games, would that, would that cement what people think of him? Um, Maybe there's some wiggle room with Sam, um, but I think. Well, I'll just speak for myself. It's just hard for me to find something to go. Boy, I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see how that how they handle this the last four games. I think we we kind of have our answer. Like it's pretty clear that they're what we thought was going to be a contending team. We were. I think most of us were way wrong. Um, Unless they contending on me for a Super Bowl, but I just mean for like a wild card play, you know. Right, right. Um, I thought, well, you know, this I think this team could win nine games, you know, or eight games, something in there, right? Right. That's certainly where I was. Yeah. Um, and so nine and eight probably gets you in, right? Um, or eight and nine gets you close. So I thought they were in there somewhere. Uh and the fact that they have been just so the the collapse of the defense to me is staggering. It's just staggering to me that this group that again it's it's not like we were grasping at straws at the beginning of the year. They were coming off a top ten, top five level play defensively last year. And they were returning just about everybody and a healthy Chase Young. So I don't know, of course you would think they're gonna take a big step. And they took three steps in the opposite direction and it's crazy. What well, I want to circle back to the Howell thing because I think that's certainly the most interesting and probably the most relevant as well. But like, 
now now that it feels like the the book has been written on this defense, I mean, I I'm just hoping Rivera can get it to a place. Miami, like, throw it out. They're they're Miami offensively. They're great. Right. It, you yeah. know, whatever. But like, I hope I that mean, we can get a better feel for some of these guys in a simpler defense over these last four games. That is my very right. very uh, low bar of hope. But as we as we look back on the book that's written about where this defense went wrong, like where where do you think that one starts and ends? Well, I'm going to start by pushing back just a little bit on it. And that's, I think that's part of the problem with this organization. Is you go, well, Miami's really good. Yeah, Miami's good. Yeah, they're a good team. You have to beat good teams too. For sure. I just mean it like if I'm going to evaluate Quan Martin based off of week one in Rivera's defense against Miami implemented midseason, like I'm not – I'm only going to put so much stock in that compared to does he improve over the next four? Yeah, but there's a difference between fighting and competing and and losing 27 to 17 or something like that and just getting boat raced at home again. You know, and look, Miami's good. I'm not saying they're not good. Dallas is good. But you you still can – there's teams that have competed with those two teams this year that aren't 12-1. and You know, and and have, and have and have put some good tape on. That was just that was a give up to me. Like, oh, we can't we can't compete with them. There's nothing we can do, and that's part of the problem here. I think is there's just a lot. It was a lot of give up. Um, so you know, defensively, what's going wrong? I mean, it just start. I just think the secondary just they just took a major step backwards this year. And I'm not I'm not going to assign a percentage of who's responsible. How much of it is the scheme is just way too complicated for them, and how much of it is they're playing two rookies a lot. You know, they drafted two rookies and played them, and they weren't ready. Um, and how much of it is, you know, losing your starting safety early in the season that you were counting on and really not replacing him in a, in a way that was effective. I mean, and how much of it is Chase Young wasn't, didn't play like we thought he would coming, you know, being healthy and wasn't as impactful. I mean, it's, it's probably all of that, right? I mean, it's a lot. It's, it's probably so. And the linebackers, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not singling out Jamin Davis. He's had some really effective moments, you know, in the run game, especially he's, he's been nice in terms of fit and where he needs to be. And, um, but the coverage is just not there. It's not there. It gets hunted every week. It's like a pick and roll in the NBA. They hunt him every week with some with a circle pattern or some sort of wheel route every single week, you know. And so they just there's just nobody that's taken a step in the right direction on the defense this year. Nobody. Yeah. So, no. I I think that's that to me is the thing that's so maddening is like how does everybody play worse uh there's there's not an exception and you know obviously coaching comes into play there I I do think that the the I think the guy I mean to me though the two most disappointing guys are are Allen and Payne where they just they've been they haven't been good and and effective and it does lead to the question of like next year what do you want to do with those guys as John Allen is being very honest and human and saying, of course I've thought about playing somewhere else. Why would I keep wanting to do this? I, t- yeah, I don't fault yeah. him for saying that. That is an incredibly human thought. And if he's not thinking that, it, that's actually, to me, a bigger problem. Um, of course he should want to win. Um, and, right. you know, you got to just be a part of the solution, ultimately, if you're going to be here. But, yeah. like, did those guys suddenly become bad football players? Or is is there something larger at play? And 
I, I think for yeah. them, it's harder to understand what the larger thing at play might have been. Here's what I think. I mean, again, I wrote this the other day. I think John Allen's been kind of nicked all year. I don't he's I, hurt in preseason. Yeah. I don't think he's ever been 100% all year. That's just me. I could be wrong. I, I well, I think at the very least, like that injury set him back, and he's never caught up. If not, yeah. still bothering him. Yeah, I agree, and so that's what I think with him. I think it's a combination of that, and you know, post trades. Why on earth would you spend any time worrying about what any of the defensive ends are doing? You know, you're just going to double Allen in pain as much as you can and limit their effectiveness getting up the field and being disruptive and doing the things that they normally are able to do because you do have to pay some attention to Montez Sweat or Chase Young. You know, I, um, and so I think that's, that's at least part of why they've been ineffective. But the bottom line is they've been ineffective. I mean, you're exactly right. They have not been anything approaching the forces they were the previous two or three years inside. Um, and that's, you know, they're the, they're the catalyst. Now to your question about Jonathan Allen, I, you know, like I, I don't think the solution is just trade everybody and start over and, you know, go three and 12 for the next three and 15 or whatever the record would be for the next three years. I don't think that's the solution either. Um, I'd like to think you could fix, you could at least try to start to fix this, but Having said that, Craig, if there's one area where maybe they can say, look, we've got a little bit of depth, it's the defensive line, especially defensive tackle. You do have Fedarian Mathis. You do have Ridgeway there. You do have guys that are, you know, solid players, if not superstars. So if you wanted to move one of Allen or Payne for whatever reason, I mean, you could do that and not suffer catastrophic losses in that particular position group. Um, I don't know that I would want to do that because you had an you're not going to replace Jonathan Allen with somebody better than Jonathan Allen right, right now. You know, like, unless you use that fifth pick in the draft on somebody on the defensive line, which would make absolutely no sense, right? I think we all agree on that. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, again, the bottom line is they haven't, gone, they haven't gone up. Certainly none of the ends that replaced Young and Payne have gone up or Sweat have gone up. Um, have done anything. They have one sack the last three games. Um, you know, we've talked about the linebackers. I, you know, Barton, I don't think Barton's been as bad as people make him out to be, but he certainly hasn't, you know, moved the needle, obviously, in any meaningful way. Sure. Um, and then the secondary, I just don't know what to make out of that. Make, what to make of that. I don't know what. I, I, I'm not qualified to, to break down exactly, but all I can tell you is what I see. And I don't see anybody you know, playing the position confidently or quickly. There's a lot of, it just seems like it's the same overthinking, playing slow, flipping, you know, two guys go to one guy, one guy's wide open. Like it's again, every week, every week, every week, it's the same thing. Yes. No, then that is, uh, the definition of insanity. Uh, they've kept trying the same thing, expecting a different result, and it's driven us all insane. Uh, David Aldridge yeah. is with us here on the Hoffman Show. Of course, senior columnist at The Athletic, writing about D.C. sports. Uh, we'll also get to some NBA stuff with D.A. in just a moment. But I, I do want to circle back to Howell, because you you sound like you've kind of made up your mind on on what you think of him. So what is that mm-hmm. as we project forward on, on Sam Howell? I think Sam Howell has a chance to be a top half of the league quarterback, right? Like if, if you, if you improve the things again, on both sides of the ball, because defense helps him too, right? I mean, you have to fix the defense to help Sam Howell too. Um, 
but if you made enough right picks and you signed enough right free agents to fix enough of the team going forward, I think Sam Howell's ceiling is he's somewhere in the top half, right? Can he be top 10? It's probably, that may not be his ceiling, but would you live with a top 12 quarterback? Of course you would. Why wouldn't you? Like, I mean, I would. I'd be well, fine especially if the next couple of years he's on the deal that Sam's going to be on. Exactly, exactly. And that's the, that's the biggest selling point in, in his candidacy for this, right, is, is his contract. Um, but I do think he's made a lot of progress. He's made some really good throws. I think he's worked on getting the ball out faster. Um, you know, does he still make mistakes? Yes, um, lots of them. But it's not without hope at that position. Now, you can make the argument, Craig, and I'm sure many will, that if they wind up with a top three pick, they have to take one of the quarterbacks. You can make that argument. Um, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think there's a chance for him to get better going forward. Um, and, but here's the rub. Here's the, problem that, here's the problem with it. I don't know that he gets better unless he's with the enemy for another year. You know what I mean? Like, and the reasoning is like, I think this team has been part of why this team has struggled so much is that the, the lack of continuity from year to year is just staggering. You know, like there's just been very few positions other than Nate Kayser with special teams where they've had the same guy for more than three years in the same system. And everybody knows what they, what they are supposed to do. Um, and to, to give Sam Howell, not to even mention poor Terry McLaurin, you know, yet another offensive system that he has to learn now, you know, and then, you know, it just, boy, I don't know that that's going to make a, I don't think that makes a lot of sense either. Now it's not all in their control with the enemy. Of course he can leave, you know, if he's, if he's up for an NFL job or a college head coaching job and he wants to leave, he can leave. Um, but, but with the how question to me, it's like, yeah, would, would, would Ben Johnson be able to help him? Yes, of course. I'm not saying that. Eric Bieniemy is the only guy that can coach him. I'm saying that the progress they've made in this system this year, I would like to see them build on that for once, as opposed to starting over and having the same growing pains again next year because you have a new offensive coordinator again. I mean, that would be three in three years. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. I hear you. I would say the good news on that front is they run a West Coast system, which the person they're going to hire. I would assume would also run a West Coast system. Like if you're getting someone well, off I, the Shanahan tree, so, but we don't know that. I mean, I, I would like to think you're right, but we don't know that because we don't know the GM is going to be, do we? Sure, sure. We don't. We don't know. But if yeah. we look at the top candidates and the names that are bantied about on the offensive side of the ball, it's your Ben Johnson. He's the number one candidate everywhere, and I think right. these guys are going to be in the mix to get him, which is great. Um, obviously, yeah. there's a pull of home in Charlotte, and uh, he's, he's a Carolina guy. He's going to potentially have Justin Herbert to work with. Um, he's going to yeah. have Caleb Williams and a bunch of money in Chicago. But I, th- I think yeah. working for Josh Harris is appealing. And if you like Sam Howell, that's appealing. And But you're also looking at like Bobby Slowick in Houston and what he's done with C.J. Stroud uh, yeah. and, and some of yeah. the other folks off of the Shanahan, McVay, whatever tree. Um, that I think would be McDaniel, by the way. This Miami staff's got some potential future head coaches on it, and they run that same West Coast system with similar terminology, similar route concepts that are just hopefully detailed up a lot better. And also, I, I think the thing that I struggle with with the enemy, DA, 
is how much he put on Sam this year. Like, I, I don't like the fact that he's leading the NFL in passing attempts. I think that's a terrible way to treat a young quarterback, uh, and it hinders his development, and they've been trying to sell us this growth and development thing all year, which clearly everyone mm-hmm. is sick of at this point, um, yeah. internally, nevertheless externally. But I actually don't yeah. know that they helped him as much as they could because of the the system that he was in this year, this version of it that Biennemi ran. I mean, look, I don't disagree with you that they probably throw the ball way too much, right? For any quarterback, much less a young one, right? Um, But we know where Eric Biennemi came from. I heard this for 12 years in Philadelphia, like, and he throws the ball too much. Like, that's just those people from the Andy Reid system tend to throw the ball too much. Like, that's just kind of – that's just kind of baked into how they see the world of of football, you know? And so – um, yeah, I mean, they probably did drop him back too much, especially early, obviously, when he, when he probably didn't have enough um, of an understanding of, of shifting protections and calling things out at the line that could help him. I mean, just getting the ball out faster, you know. Um, I think they did uh, make adjustments to it, and they've gotten better at it. You know, and again, it's Eric Bannery's first year too, right? So, I mean, I, I think some grace has to be extended to him as well, you know, like – Everybody acts like, well, we all we know everything we need to know about Eric Bieniemy. This is his first year as an offensive coordinator, first, and so he he gets the opportunity to make mistakes and grow and learn too. I would like to think, you know. So, um, but we'll see. You know, again, it's a four and nineteen. There is nothing. There's no sacred cow anywhere <laughs> in this organization. And I'm not going to be mad at any at, at Josh Harris or anybody to say no. We're all of you can go, you know, totally, um, totally. So, so, but, but but in terms of your question about how I would just like to see a little continuity going forward to see how much better they can get. And maybe the answer is they can't get any better. I don't know, but I'd like to see. Yeah. I I think this year will benefit the in the future, no matter where he is, whether he gets to apply what he's learned here or elsewhere. TBD. All right, last but not least with DA, of course, uh, the Pro Basketball Hall of Famer, uh, former Kurt Gowdy Award winner. Actually, DA, is that something – did I say that correctly? Are you a former Kurt Gowdy Award winner, or are you just – once you're it, you're it. You're a Kurt Gowdy no, Award I mean, winner. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm still a Kurt Gowdy Award winner. Yeah, that's true. I just didn't know if it's like you were you wanted an X year and such – it's phrased that way. Then I realized that probably wasn't correct. You're still in the Hall of Fame. That's good enough for me. Like Pat Sullivan won the Heisman. He's not a former Heisman Trophy winner. He just won it in 1970. You know, there I did not know that uh, 1970, but that's a me thing. Uh, that's wait, that's fine. I only well, wait. I think it was 70 or was it 71? You know what? I don't. I don't think anyone's counting. Uh, the point is. <laughs> David knows as much about the NBA as anyone. He's in the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. He's Kurt Gowdy Award winner. Um, and and DA, last night was fun as hell watching these quarterfinals uh, in the NBA's in-season tournament. I, I, I don't know where you were at the start of this is in terms of the idea, the concept. So where were you on the in-season tournament? And after seeing yeah. how invested the players were, nevertheless, fans and the excitement it brought in the building last night, what do you think of, of this concept and how it's worked in year one? Right, right. Well, I mean, look, I was in Indy last night for that game, and it was phenomenal. It was great. I mean, you know, and I wrote that this is, you know, for all the things that the NBA has tried to, you know, package about this in-season tournament, just kind of one of the only issue I have with the in-season tournament, Craig, is not the idea of the in-season tournament. It is the NBA doing what the NBA always does when it tries to market something 
and insist that you love it or you don't like basketball. You know what I mean? Like it just mm. comes you on the head with in season tournament. You've got to get excited about this or you hate puppies. You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> that's how they do it. You know, they just bang you on with it for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know. Um, but you know, it's it's been good. I think it's been a, a net plus. And the other thing is I just wish they would acknowledge that the reason they're doing this is because they want to sell this for a billion dollars to somebody. And that's okay. Just say it. You know, just be honest about why you're, why you're pumping this thing. Um, so, but Halliburton was great. It was a great atmosphere. The crowd was into it. He played great. I think, I thought it was a very competitive game. The tournament's been good. I think it's been good uh, for the most part. Um, you know, I think uh, Jalen Brown was honest yesterday at shoot around. He was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my answer until the end of the season. <laughs> so, so he, he didn't dismiss it out of hand, but he was not all rah-rah. He was just the best thing that ever happened. Um, but it's been, I think it's been generally good. Uh, it's been generally good to get um, give the players something to break up the monotony of a long season. I think that's, that is a fair criticism and a fair reality about you know, any sports league, but certainly NBA, NHL, baseball, it's a long season. It gets tedious, you know, and, and to give them something additionally to kind of compete for and get their compete juices going. And that to me is, has been a, a net plus is that I think more guys competitive nature, and these are the most competitive people on earth. Um, I think that's a good thing to get them to kind of go, hey, let's as long as we're here, let's try to win this thing, you know. And so I think that that that's been a plus. And so I can't I can't knock it. I think it's been pretty good. Um, again, um, there was good basketball in November before the end season tournament, and that's just kind of like what what concerns me is this notion that it's only the end season tournament that makes guys play hard in November. No, a lot of guys play hard in November. You're just not paying attention because you're watching football. And that's okay, but don't denigrate them because you're not interested in it. You know what right. I mean? So um, that's my that would be my my concern about it. Um, but in the main, I think it's been pretty good. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's been fun when you get to see these guys and their their care level turned up to like super as opposed to regular season, which is still highly competitive. But there's a different level, yeah. of course. Sure. Um, I think it's I think it's been really fun to watch. And yeah, Halliburton was insane last night. Uh, yeah. David Aldrich, the Kirk Gowdy Award winner, Basketball Hall of Famer, and senior columnist at The Athletic, where you can read his coverage from Indiana last night. You can read his coverage of the Commanders as well. DA, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. And uh, I'll see you at FedEx again in a couple weeks. All right, Craig. Thank you for having me, sir. As always, it is our pleasure. That is David Aldridge with us here on the Hoffman Show. Lynette Willingham hops in studio next. It's time for an overreaction Tuesday. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Also streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Linnell Willingham with us in studio on How are an you? overreaction Tuesday. Spoiler, I'm good, dude. Spoiler, I don't have any overreactions. I am here to just discuss football with you, man. It will, I, labeling it overreaction Tuesday, I think it's gotten me in trouble. With some of the idiots on the web, people on the web watching right now, not talking about I you. Think, I think that's an overreaction, Leno. Oh, well, there it goes. Full circle season, baby. But no, let's get into it. I do want to address something you said, though, Okay. during your first intent. Okay. 
You said that you felt on Sunday mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel embarrassed Eric Bieniemy. And I just I, I disagree with it. Now I listened to the entirety of the segment. Okay. And I think when you begin to get into your explanation, a lot comes off a lot differently than what I said, the headline I said reads. He, exposed he exposed the enemy more than he did Rivera. Yeah, well, we already knew what Ron was. That's so, part of the equation. That's part of the equation, which you, which you said. But yeah, I don't know. I just think it's very hard to compare what they're doing in Miami to what they're doing here in Washington. Now, there's some information that I do not have that would really highlight and underscore our conversation in terms of like how often is Washington using motion pre-snap compared to other teams in the league. I don't have that information. You may. Um, I don't have it right now. I know that was a big part of uh, a part of yeah. what you were saying is you don't like the play design and how, you know, Washington's best players aren't getting the football. I love how Tyreek Hill is featured with yes. Miami and everyone knows Tyreek Hill is going to be featured with Miami, yet they Correct. still are finding ways for him to have a record-breaking season. I agree with all of that, but I think the big thing that you're missing between Mike McDaniel and Eric Bieniemy is that Eric Bieniemy is working with a subpar group of skill position guys, the quarterback. Whoa, everything. whoa, whoa! Like you, you just came in here said what? that you're not you're not going to do overreactions, and you just called this group of skill position guys subpar. They might be not playing well, but let's think back to what we thought of them at the beginning of the year. We thought this might be one of the best receiver groups in the league. Correct. Robinson and Gibson are pretty good. They're not four, three backs that Miami has. Gibson's literally Every, a four, three. Everything guy. is Gibson is. Who else on the off? Jahan Dotson. You like I don't like Jahan Dotson's not some speed demon. He ran a four, three at the combine. Ran four, four. Four. I think he ran four, three, no, no, eight. He ran four, four, three. He ran four, four, three. I fact checked that before I came in here because right. I knew that was going to become a part of our conversation. Okay, but, so he's five one hundredths off of being a four, three. That's guy. a huge. Come on, you know how that. Impacts draft status. He's, if you're four four and four three, you're, you're your correct. bag he's is four, different. He's four four three. Your bag is different. But I, I get what you were saying. Now let me. I don't even want to walk back what I just said because I believe it. When I say they're subpar, I think we value them more here than maybe the way that they'd be viewed by outsiders. Like what I'm about to say now is probably going to be a huge overreaction. I think through 13 games, Brian Robinson and Curtis Samuel have been your best two offensive weapons. Yeah, right? I, I don't think that's. That's outrageous. I think Terry's having a down year. I think there's a bunch of reasons for that. I think that Curtis has thrived in this offense. That's the thing I was most right about on this May- offense in the offseason. I said EB's arrival would would benefit Curtis more than it would anybody else. Um, but I think the point that I was making that I st- 100% stand on mm-hmm. is, like, a, well, the thought forever was if you have talent, you you let them cook, right? Just like, let's line it up. Our guys are going to beat their guys. Scheme's going to work. The problem is the scheme that Biennemi is running it has it is based off of something that Bill Walsh started 40 years ago, right? West, uh, oh, West Coast. West Coast scheme, right? And Which a over lot of the teams course have West Coast principles. For sure. And over the course of the last 40 years, obviously defenses have evolved right. to stop that. The guy who's had the most success stopping the current version of that scheme is Vic Fangio the godfather of current modern NFL defense. What's Vic Fangio's job right now? Defense coordinator in Miami. Sure is. Yeah. Sure looked like it on Sunday. The way that good teams offensively get around these defenses, including Vic Fangio's, 
is by saying, okay, what is it that these Vic Fangio's defenses do? They put certain players in a bind. They don't create. They they eliminate space that used to exist. The new space is here, or we need to, you know, pull one guy through a window to pull it because it's a lot of it's like the zone match stuff, right? So hey, we need we're gonna make you match the first guy, and then we're gonna put a second guy in that window. And those kind of tweaks are stuff that McDaniel does very well. And that he uses specific guys to do but where the, the second guy in the window is Tyree Kill and he's wide open. Or, hey, I'm Tua and I've got the choice of Devon A-Chain over here one-on-one with Jamin Davis or Tyree Kill in the slot over here on Quan Martin. And I got a single high safety who's got a pick between the two. Like that kind of stuff's not happening here. And that, to me, is what's so frustrating. Or you watch the way they make sure Tyreek gets touches. They make sure A-Chan gets touches. They make sure Waddle gets touches. That stuff doesn't happen here. And that, to me, seeing what it looks like, watching Miami play offense, and seeing how they elevate it. The quarterback is responsible for where the football goes. That's part of it. So, like, that's how is that an indictment on Eric and not on Sam? Because Eric can make it easier to have cleaner I mean, reads for I mean, Sam. I, Craig, you you watch you and you and Logan do a hell of a job busting down film. How much easier can he make life for Sam right now? I think you he, you think that he's making it hard for Sam. Yeah, because there's a lot of just straight drop back. Now, but they're running. Sam can a help himself. Fraction of what he wants to unveil offensively. Just think about it. We were both fortunate enough to be out at camp. The offense that they're running in camp, how much different does this look to what it is right now? It does not look as good. but also night and day different almost. But, okay, so they didn't never found something that worked. Like they installed all this stuff, they now can't use it. it, I'm trying to put myself in Eric's shoes and trying to play devil's advocate here. If you're a play caller that's not confident in your guy's ability to run stuff and he hasn't shown an understanding to be able to run – the most basic stuff. The fact that he's not handling the protections at the line of scrimmage, Craig. You, let's, let's use that example. How many quarterbacks across the league are handling their protections It's up a front? pretty mixed bag. I, I think a lot of it, like centers are involved in certain stuff. Ultimately, it's the quarterbacks, I think, more than the centers, but a lot of centers they handle took, that stuff. Eric, in this offensive staff, took as much off of Sam as possible. Yeah, when they put it back on his plate, he got better. Correct. But in terms of, I'm, I'm doing bringing that up to talk about what he's seeing pre-snap and how that is impacting things and why they took that off of his plate because he's struggling pre-snap. Correct? Would you agree with that? Um, not as far as where to go with the football. You think Sam's I think, going I think with- I think there's some of that. Like I think it's super multifactorial. Mm-hmm. Like let me let me zoom like we can get into details and talk about like Logan and I broke down a play today. We did something we'd never done before when we recorded Take Command today. We literally pulled up film and we watched it together. Unfortunately, I don't so think So basically what we're we do is run out of the studio now and go look at it because well, that's we what I want to do. Well, we can't. I'll pull up this play Please in a second. Cuz y'all um, do a hell of a in, damn job. In, but like the, unfortunately the film is not going to be in the YouTube podcast because of the rights, but like right, right, we're right. describing it and I'd give everyone the timestamp and game pass and be like, if you want to follow along, go do it. So I'll do this for you in the break. Literally, there's a play. It's a, it's third and three um, and it's Sam takes pressure. Chris Paul loses immediately. So obviously the biggest thing that goes wrong is Chris exactly. Paul loses immediately. But Jahan and Terry screw up their releases. Terry screws up his alignment and Sam probably could still make it all work anyway. It's all there. And so who do you... Put at fault. It's multifactorial. Right. And that's my thing with but my I, issue I guess, with your statement then. I guess my 
my question that I'm starting though. to get like really frustrated with, mm -hmm. and I'm trying not to like blow my top on this, mm -hmm. is why is everyone suddenly okay with losing? The task is to figure it out so you win football games. I don't think anyone's like okay. I am. I am so frustrated with this. Oh, it takes time. I understand it takes time. It's hard. I know it's hard. Welcome to the freaking NFL. Like the the season started in September. You had to figure out how to win games then. And if you couldn't figure it out by then, you had to figure out something that you could figure out by October so it was enough time to turn it around. It's December 5th. They're 4-9. and nine. Not very good. Yeah, not, not good. Not very good. Like, I, I just, I understand it's hard. I, I have empathy for that. It's a really hard league. There's probably other stuff, too. Like, I don't know that EB's staffed the way he wants. I don't know that the players there are what he wants. I'll cry but at the end of the job, that, I mean. the, at the end of the day, the job is to win games. Correct. And, yes. like, saying, oh, he's learning. Like, you signed up for the job, man. It involved winning this year. And I and I hope for Eric's sake that he takes the things he learned as a first-time play caller and goes somewhere else and thrives. I would still love to see the man get a head coaching job. Like, he's been through a lot in his career, and and I think he's obviously a very good coach. I think, I think KC misses him. Like, I don't think their offense is as good this year without whatever he was inputting. So the idea that he's some big dummy that, mm. you know, oh, my God, I can't believe that we were sold this fraud Eric Bieniemy. Well, I don't think that's but yeah. I don't think that's true. And right. there's a lot of people saying taking it to that extreme. I just don't get when you go so far the other way as to be like, hey, Look, well, it's hard. I hear you. I just think he's, what's he supposed to do? That's his job to figure out. I and just, he hasn't done it. I would love to know how the other parts of the offense are impacting their lack of success because something you brought up and we've been talking about this since like Buffalo the receivers aren't playing with detail the receivers aren't constantly doing their damn job I, I think it's pretty clear the receivers coach is not super dialed into it what they it need. ain't Drew Terrell Drew, I mean yeah there's 100%. a big change there and you notice the change in the secondary with Chris Harris leaving so in the future when we're talking about how this team is going to be built all of those things matter but I do agree with what you said partially. Like, the offense here in the last three weeks in particular has really, like, ground down to a standstill. And it's unacceptable based on what you have at the skill position groups. But that's why I asked the question of, are we overvaluing them? Are they not doing their job? Maybe. And why aren't they? Because I but do like, think there's a lot of that. Of I, the receivers I look at screwing up. The reason I talk about McDaniel and the way that I do with this Miami team is Miami's O-line is probably worse than Washington's. Oh, They're not playing it. Yeah. That way, because McDaniel uses a ton of misdirection, a ton of different motions. They run the football, like pass blocking wise, like straight drop back. And the teams that have beaten right. Miami this year are able to shut down Tua's first read and they win pretty quickly. But the ball is out of Tua's hands in 2.3 seconds. Right. Like they, you don't know how bad Miami's O-line is pass blocking because they don't have to pass block in the way that this O-line is asked to. And so that's the kind of stuff where, like, philosophically, I disagree with the de-emphasis on getting the ball to your best players. And we can talk about how good those players are. They're the best ones here. Are you, are you going to all that's, of a sudden say yeah. that Terry's not the best guy here, even if he's having a down year? Of course not. Right. Of course not. So how do you get him the ball? That, to me, is like, as an OC, the way I think about football, that's the number one question I want to know is, of my offensive coordinator, how are you going to get my best player the ball? And but I don't the, think there's but, a but clean Craig, answer for I that. I think the way that is and being— And then how do you insulate your quarterback in O-line? I don't think they do a good job of that I either. think the way it's being presented is like Eric isn't doing things to scheme these guys open. He is. It's just you you brought up a really good point. It's so multifactorial. That'll be my new buzzword for the rest of the night. There's so many things that have to go right for an offensive play to work, and this team just isn't getting all 11 on the same page nearly consistently enough. Like, it's not happening at for the rate sure. that it should. So, like— to put it all on 
and I'm that's not what you did, and I'm not trying to say that's what you Thank did. Thank you. Because that's not, and I think the people are taking that, which is why we're talking about it. Putting it all, anyone who's putting it all on one particular person or entity is like crazy, and I don't think you'll ever understand football. And I'm not trying to say that I'm smarter than you. That's just how I feel. But I do think we can nitpick it down to where like who's at fault the most. And I don't think it's Eric. I think it's Sam. And I and that can be true. It's supposed to be like that. He is a rookie quarterback. Everyone got their panties in a wad earlier this year when I said he was holding the offense back. It was true at that time. During this three-game stretch where the offense isn't playing well, ha, coincidentally, he's not playing very well. Well, Sunday, I, see, I thought I don't was, think over I the think last he was three, very good Sunday. I don't think over the last three games he's holding this offense back. I think, if anything, he's elevating the offense. You think he elevated us on Sunday where he's holding the football, not getting it to people that the, are open? I don't know how much he was holding the football. The, the, on Sunday specifically, the offensive line was terrible. I think Logan chart when he charted it, there were two drop back passes that didn't have pressure. But I don't. I really that falls on not falls on deaf ears, but like I don't look at it all as oh they're giving up pressure, dude. The, the best quarterbacks in the league are able to function under pressure not and evade pressure. pressure. Not that. Look at Joe Burrow during his rookie season or his second year. He was the most sacked quarterback Joe in football. Burrow. Exactly, and I think that kind of gets to win our next without not having Joe Burrow. That, so. I want to show you this play in the break, and then we we uh, we leave, leave, leave. let's see what we got. Yeah, we'll have enough time to have a little bit more discussion beyond that. So we'll get into the the quarterback stuff next. It's Hoffman Show on the Team Nine Eighty, and always live on the Free Odyssey app. It's Hoffman Show on the Team Nine Eighty, always live as well on the Free Odyssey app. Linnell Willingham still with us. Did you did you sit lower in your chair? Did you move your chair down? What Say happened? I got fatter. During no. the breaks, Hoffman. No, and now the saying, chair is sinking at a no, rate that's not you good just for. Disappeared. Like all of a sudden, you were just like a, a a bodiless head in the frame. We could sit like this for the show on the YouTube no. audience. Oh, He's terribly I'm, awkward. Yeah, no. I'm just trying to help you out. We're flowing, by the way, man. I, this is gonna sound crazy, Rachel. I'm sorry. You with the long flow, man. I dig it. He's got little Johnny Bravo going on. I, I, I dig it, man. I feel like my hair has different lengths that like I become a different character. I'm like a, a, oh, that's a, a hell of a way to find it. <laughs> I don't know. It's like I look way more athletic with the shorter hair, and then it grows out, and now I look like a pretty boy Johnny Bravo. Wow. And then I just look like a mess when it gets long. <laughs> it's like, okay, time for a haircut. Let's go back to feeling like we're athletic, not just a big, giant mess. Does your hair not have phases like that? <sighs> They're not as pleasant. That's <laughs> what I would, uh, it's how I would describe it. Um, That's all. Okay. But all yeah. Right. Just, we're back. So there's we're, that. There's that. Um, but, all right. You show me the play. We? I did show you the play. And Chris Paul, love him to death. Not good. Good kid. Not probably good football player. Probably, I don't know if he's even a backup. I mean, he's he's strong. He's a backup. Don't, we don't need to be hyperbolic. You're right. He's probably that, though, at best. Uh, he's under contract, so he'll be on your team next year as a backup, yes. hopefully, if you can upgrade your left guard Sure. Spot. But that's the thing. If you have a stud left tackle, Chris Paul probably instantly becomes a better football player. And you have a stud center. He's, he's playing next to a pretty damn smart left tackle. I don't know how much of a stud Leno is, but he's smart. Bro, one of the worst misses of the game is Charles Leno on a mental mistake. Oh, they miss the the play where Terry, uh, the like Howard makes the play on Terry in the red zone mm. or the strike zone. Leno just like doesn't squeeze down on a blitzer, and you're like, dude, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure it's his responsibility, but yeah. oh, it would have been nice. Sam might have had time. If not, he has Jahan wide open on a high cross. Anyway, the point. Is pressure killed this game? 
Um, I think Sam has done a, a good job of elevating the offense, mostly off schedule, but it, the on schedule stuff just hasn't been there. Um, and so what does that mean for Sam moving forward? I think is where you were, where you were at. Yeah. And that's every time I feel like I'm ready to make a definitive statement on Sam. He goes, ha, let me show you this Sunday. was another to me. Ha, show you this. We are in disagreement about how he performed Sunday. If I had to give him a grade, like A through F, I'd say he was a C minus, and I give him the C minus. We're not that far apart. I maybe C plus. I think I think the off schedule a lot of stuff. Yeah, the off schedule stuff really makes it look better though, because he's doing high level stuff at times. It's just we're not getting it on a consistent basis, and I don't know if that's because he's not a consistent player or is the offense just wildly inconsistent. And I think the latter is the answer. He's young. He's young, and and that's what I think. I'm guilty of it. I admit it all the time. I say I'm guilty of looking at him through the lens of a fifth-round quarterback. If he was a first-rounder, some of the conversations that we're having via radio wouldn't even exist. It sounds stupid because he's clearly the guy, right? Like, this is his first year starting. You've got all these bad put, parts around him. They put a him. million things on his plate. They put a million things on his plate, and we're expecting him to go out and succeed. It's, it's hard to do it. But my thing is, if he, if he was a first-rounder, and I'm guilty of it, like I said— I would be like, hell yeah, he's the starter next year. Why would you abort your young quarterback after one but full season? So like, but he's, he's not. not. And so like, if you go, if you love Jaden Daniels or whatever you know quarterback is available to you, then but, I think you have to make that consideration. And that's this is what I'll discuss a lot tonight on OT six thirty to ten on the fan. Is it worth? And we had this discussion earlier about Caleb Williams. Is it worth putting one of these young quarterbacks in the same? jacked up position that Sam is in right now. And I understand it's not going to be exactly the same. It's not going to be remotely the same. If it's anything close to the same. Unless you hit on every damn lineman in the track. This offensive lineman class sucks in terms of free agency. It's not very oh, good. Oh, free agency, So yes. you're going to have to hit on every pick, which is just There's impossible to of, ask. Well, so here's here's the thing about O-linemen. This is something that I've learned doing the draft prep with Logan. Like, part of the reason O-linemen go high and are safe picks, relatively speaking, high is because the the evaluating an O-lineman is actually fairly easy compared to a quarterback yes. or a wide receiver. It's very black or, and white. <laughs> yeah, it's like this dude blocked really well in college. He's probably going to be good in the pros. Like his feet are good. His hands are – his right. arms are this long. Like his, his feet are this good based off the shuttle times and what I see on tape, and he's going to be good. Like Joe Alt's going to be a good football player. We don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer. We don't know if he's going to just be like – solid, almost pro bowler. But, like, Joe Alt's going to be a good football player. Um, Fashanu, the kid from Penn State. Um, Like, he's going to be a good football player, right? So, you feel pretty good. And they'll probably be pretty solid from day one if they're top ten picks, right? right? So, you get your left tackle there. It is a deeper guard market. There's, like, no left tackles uh, in free agency. Um, But if you take Daniels at four or said quarterback at four, you're not getting that plug-and-play piece. Sure, but you do have $100 million in cap space. Like, you could go make a trade, potentially. You have have three top 30, uh, top, let's say, 38 or so. Like, you could trade that Bears pick and something else for something. Like, there's there's potential to make moves here. And I think that's the thing that I'm excited about for next year is, like, I would. I definitely think that it's probably worth buttressing the team around Howell. And then if Sam stinks, then you go next year. I think the risk is: Do you miss your window? Can Sam get you to eight, nine next year? And he's you, you're like, ah, God, we need to upgrade a quarterback. And now you're picking at fifteen again. Um, I think yeah. that's that's the risk there. But I kind of feel like that risk is worth it if you can get stud left tackle, go get an edge with the right. pick to replace Sweat, and then on your own pick in the second round. 
go take a right guard or a left guard because you got Cosme. Like, yeah. go go do that. Buttress the thing. And this gets back to the Biennemi thing. Don't put so damn much on his plate. Like, this is why everyone loves Ben Johnson and why, like, I'm super high on him when I know Grant's super high on him, um, why the whole league has him as the number one guy. One, he's a super dynamic personality and all that stuff. We had Adam Amin on the show on Friday, and I was like, is there anybody that you've talked to this year coordinator-wise in these production meetings that you were just like, man, that guy's definitely a future head coach. And he's like, Ben Johnson's in a class on his own. So that that's something. But he also runs a system that is very quarterback-friendly. And I, I will say this, like we had David Aldridge on the show earlier in the hour and DA said something that was funny. I didn't have a chance to respond to it in time, but he goes, you know, this is what I, we heard for years in Philadelphia. Like Andy Reid throws the ball too much. Well, Andy Reid won Super Bowls with that approach when he got Patrick Mahomes. You can't throw the ball too much with Patrick Mahomes. It's not possible. He's too good. He breaks the rules. So what happened? So can you get into a different system that doesn't have that as an issue? Can you get into a different system that is more quarterback friendly, that is more San Francisco, more Detroit, more Miami? And if you get a really good one, then they look incredible a la Tua this year. Or if you even get the right one a la Brock Purdy in San Francisco, you can win a ton of football games. That's what I would like to see systemically, schematically, (laughs) et cetera, for the setup for the future from the head coach and certainly for the offense, Sam or otherwise. Yeah, I mostly agree with what you said. I do think if you're going to bring back Sam, I'm just not going to like this, I would probably bring back Eric as my offensive coordinator because I don't want him no to way. learn a third system in three years. It's a, mon- um, it's a West Coast system. It's not that hard. I just, you, it's just hard to learn a system. It like, is it, hard it's to just, learn it's a just, system. Why make him have to take that time to learn a new system instead of just building upon what he already has. Because is the problem the system or is the problem the pieces that are in the system? It's You can have both. But, but I think it, it's more the, the pieces. If, if you have both. Pass protection, a lot of these conversations are moot. I don't know if it's moot. I don't know if it's moot. Um, they're quieter, and we're talking about more winning. But like, Which is the ultimate this, goal at the end of the day. Sure, right? but I, I, I don't again, care how like, you do it. I, I would tell you that this system has worked to maximal output. With one guy, with Mahomes. And like a Smith version of the system, I think I'd feel a lot better, to be honest. Yeah, like they ran a ton of fullback. They ran they ran the ball a ton. Like Jamal Charles had monster years. It's not what they're running here. Um, which is kind of versions of it that the Shanahan McVay tree, which would include Mike McDaniel in Miami, and includes to an extent, like the it's very similar what they're running in Detroit that is more balanced and is more designed to beat the way teams play defense now in the NFL. Um, not to say, like, Eric is smart. I think I don't think that Eric and Sam are a good fit. And I also, you know, to end where we ended last week, Wow. Um, I think that from the coaching staff standpoint, it, if you want to keep anybody, it's the special teams crew. But offense, defense, strip it down to the studs and, and start over. Give me a defensive-minded head coach that wants to rock with Eric Bieniemy and Sam for one more year because they're both under contract basically for one more year, and then you collect everything at the end because you have time to develop a, a team. You're not like you're Ron in year four of a five-year deal Anthony, trying to develop it a like quarterback. He wants to make the same mistake as every other regime in the last two decades of Washington ah, football. So I don't think hiring a defensive-minded coach is automatically going to pigeonhole Having you into their, your those coach problems in 
inherit stuff he doesn't want. How do you dictated. know the coach doesn't want it? That could That's be the different. thing. That could be Eric's different. Eric's got a lot of Look, relationships in this league. If, a lot of people speak highly about him, I'm sure. For sure. If if you want to go hire Dan Quinn. Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn, Ra- Brian Flores. There are pl- plethora of names that you can go with. I love that you included Flores, the guy McDaniel replaced in Miami. That is perfect full circle. It was replaced in Miami because the owner's a jackass and was That's doing part of some it, crazy stuff. And Brian Flores is a hell of a defensive coach, probably top five in the damn National Football League. I think Brian he Flores is defense. excellent, excellent leader of men. Coach. Re- I'm more looking for a leader of men than I am an X's and O's guru because they don't seem to play inspired, and that's frustrating as hell to watch. You know what I think is amazing, Anthony? He came in here today saying no I hot takes. <laughs> And I think I this has been the hottest takes that we have gotten from Linnell all year. Warm, baby. There we go. I love it, Linnell. You like it, I love it, man. <laughs> I love it. Can't get enough I hope. also thought he was joking because I, I know for a fact he had a lot, a lot on his chest. Uh, <laughs> we need this chest to get a little narrower. Linnell. Don't. If you told me that, I wouldn't even do overtime tonight. I would go home and study how you do this right now. I mean, we can, we can try to set you up. Get a little tutorial. That'd be beautiful. I'd love um, it. We'll see what we can do. Appreciate you having me as always, man. This uh, is good. Indeed. We're, of course, because you're here way over time. Uh, we'll get back, and I don't even remember what we're talking <laughs> about next. But, Anthony, you need to play the legal ID now.